Hey, welcome to the Millennials in Ministry podcast, where we discuss issues millennials face in ministry today. In this episode, I'm talking with Stephen Sywick, who is the executive producer and director of the film Future of the Church. Take a listen. Well, um, well, welcome to Millennials in Ministry, guys. Uh, today, I'm so excited to be interviewing Stephen Sywick. He is the director and executive producer of the award-winning film, Future of the Church. And I stumbled across Stephen because I was researching who was having conversations about the future of the church. I'm doing all this research on my own about the future of technology, the future of the world, the future of marketing. And I was curious, like, who's talking about the future of the church? And lo and behold, I typed it in, found the future of the church film. And what's really cool is that Stephen came to my church and handed me and personally handed me an invitation to the premiere of his video. And um, at the time, I didn't really know who he was and I couldn't make it to the premiere. But now, lo and behold, we're having this interview. So it's like a year later, I'm here talking to you. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, Stephen, the first question I want to ask you is, you know, how did you get into making this film? And with all of the conversations you've had with 80 plus pastors interviewing them, what do you believe is the future of the church? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's a loaded question. There. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I first got into this because back in like 2012, I was in college at Pepperdine and I was doing a capstone project for uh, Chevron and what our goal was essentially to come up with strategies for Chevron so that their um, future looked bright. And so in my research phase of the project, I hit up uh, ExxonMobil and actually found that they had a futuristic document where they outlined the strategies that they were going to implement all, all the way through the year 2040. Okay. And so I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And this is going to help my paper. And then I started reading yeah. it. I was already like fascinated by the church because I had grown up. Uh, in the church and I, I end up reading it and I'm like, okay, well, the church needs a document like this. Like this yeah. is so helpful. Um, the way they, they've essentially like unified their company by creating a, a 50 page document with lots of research and essentially yeah. just found ways to like project it out or traject it out, uh, over yeah. the next generation. And I was like, Ooh, the church could use that. And so yeah. that kind of began my quest for wanting to know more about what the future held for the church. And uh, I happened to meet a guy named Jared Seva, who we had worked together on video projects before. And uh, he and I, he kind of like actually encouraged me to do a video for him because I was just going to go old school and do a recorder and like <laughs> pastor's thoughts on the future of the church. But since I yeah. didn't know anything about really the inner workings of the church, I just asked pastors what they thought and we put it in video form. And three years later, it was a documentary. That's amazing. And so with all of the, the answers that you've gotten from them, you know, like, what do you personally think the church is going to look like 20, 30 years from now? Like, even as a millennial, you know, yeah. like, what do you what do you think? Because you've you got we've got people like Francis Chan, who's left, you know, mega church organized religion oh and returning to something he's called. We are church. And I follow him very closely returning to the book of Acts. He really believes that the church is going to be looking like the book of Acts, you know, but I want to ask you, what do you think? Okay, there are a million ways to answer this question. Um, yeah. I will I will try to answer it in a way that hopefully makes sense for our audience here. And yeah. that is to say, like, I 
I also approached it thinking like we'd be talking about aliens or something. Like uh -huh. when I think of the future, I'm like, oh, this is going to be crazy. You know, I'm like <laughs> watching Blade Runner and thinking like <laughs> how the world is going to become so decrepit. And we all right. like, there's no, there's no mention of church in uh, Blade Runner 2049. And you're like, right. um, okay. So what, what comes to my mind though, is I'm thinking we should be talking about all that stuff. In the end, it is all about Jesus and mm -hmm. whether the model changes uh, to be like, the church that's not even seen in Blade Runner or whether it's yeah. like the most hopping and happening thing in the world. Um, I don't honestly think it all that much matters about the model. I think it more so matters of like, is Jesus still the center of our lives? And wow. is our witness that compelling that we preach him, whether we're the most, uh, majority or whether we are literally the the smallest minority in the world's population yeah. of, of people who follow a certain religion and i think honestly it's probably going to be the latter if i had to really point my finger on what's going to happen is that uh yeah. i think we will become a lot more of a minority and that the the ways in which you see church done today it's probably not going to be the way it's done when when we are like if most of us watching our 20s or 30s, when we're in our 60s, I mean, there's no way church is going to still be done the way it is where right. essentially we are the majority, we're the mega churches, we've got like people and huge budgets. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that drastic, but at the same time, I do think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change and we're going to need to get real wise about and really transformed, honestly, about the, yeah. the fact that the message of Jesus changes our lives. Yeah. That's good. And talk a little bit, too, about um, uh, last time we talked a little bit about Facebook and just the technology side of things. Like, you think that the church is capable of becoming even more intricate into people's lives than even Facebook is. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think um, this is going to sound like a no-brainer for some of you, but uh, maybe for others, if you haven't thought about it. The, the, okay, so no doubt. We go to church like one to two hours out of a... 168 hour week so many of us are much more inundated with what culture is saying to us than what uh, the church is saying to us and mm -hmm. so this shouldn't come as a surprise but like facebook knows a heck of a lot of information about us thank you instagram right. for doing this as they listen in um and <laughs> the, but honestly and this is what we have to think about we have to be willing to have these kind of conversations like should the church which could know as much information about you your local church little c mm -hmm. should it take advantage of that like mm -hmm. um aaron if you miss church on sunday because you're in the hospital versus your yeah. vacation should the church know that like would right. that help in a community group sort of setting right. would it help the overall church feel like hey things are still going well because like it's just spring break and everyone's on vacation or like oh shoot like something big happened, the problem happened right. in these people's lives and these people's lives. To what extent should the church use data to better mm -hmm. understand its members? And I think that that sounds real scary, but I think someone is probably, I think there are many people probably working on that problem right now. And they would wow. be church management software companies that make millions of dollars a year. No offense to them, but like, I think that there's probably a group of those companies that are really working to better understand members and are positively pitching that to churches as like mm -hmm. this will no guys this will help like 
right. if, if we knew more about people going here, we'd be more effective. Like if you knew that right. 50% of the people at your church, uh, even on, on a like personal level, if they were struggling with their finances, mm -hmm. um, I think you'd find a way to speak more to finances than you would on other yeah. passages in the Bible. Like, Totally. I think you could get a lot more specific, and I actually think you could that that would be helpful. But um, will we be willing to make that jump? I think for some of you who attend really large churches, you should be aware that I think this is a this is in the next few years, if not already right now, type of conversation. Wow. Is what sort of data should we be collecting on the people who attend church? Not in a creepy way. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> right. Get ready. Get ready. No, that's really good. Um, I also want to talk to you a little bit about uh, millennials when it comes to the arts, because, you know, you've been a part of producing a couple of really, really great films, both of which I've watched and both are produced very, very well. When it comes to millennials and art in the church, how do you think that we can be more effective in bringing value to the church through art? Wow. Um, OK, so. I wrote a little something on a board behind me. I love. All right, going. Wow, look at you going the extra mile. Okay, wait. Which one am I on? Oh, guys, I can't do this. I'm not this talented. What does this one say? Is that? Yeah. Okay. So this is like essentially the opposite ends of the spectrum for what the church has to deal with. This uh -huh. side of the spectrum is called creators, and this side is called users. And okay. it's not like one is like significantly better than the other but i think the simple point is to say that yes to your point it mm -hmm. would be great to really see more creators in the church than followers or users um, which is what i would say for the majority of the last several decades we have seen um but there are some incredible exceptions it will be great to get more creators. I think the problem that happens with creators, though, right now in the church, this includes myself, is it can get real easy to silo yourself, though, because either you don't have the money or collaboration yeah. is hard because it is yeah. hard. Um, and you kind of then go on your own um, crusade and mm -hmm. you like make this thing on your own and i don't think that's the greatest way to be creative so i would say that the the best way to be creative is to really be collaborative um <laughs> there are certainly going to be times where we are inspired and it's like we've got to just do this thing right but i think where culture is really beating out the church is that mm -hmm. uh, how in the world is black panther made oh my gosh i mean that, there's yeah. thousands of people that are making that movie. It's like, but in yeah. the church, if we had the same challenge, it would be like three of us making that movie. You're like, right. do right. that. You right. got to get like a ton of people together to make these right. things happen. That is really hard, honestly. Um, yeah. But I think that we have incredible individual creative talent right now in the church, and there's mm -hmm. just not a um, there's not a there's not a there's not a uh, catalyst right now to really ensure that that is that something done with individual creative talent sure. to make it collaborative. But I right. think once that is somewhat figured out or once creatives become more okay sharing uh, in the church, I think we're going to do something really special that ends up leading yeah. culture and not just following. Yeah, that's really good. That's good, Stephen. Okay. Now um, moving on to the last question here, oh, you yeah. have the future of the church. 
but also your next film or the one that you recently worked on is called uh, Dear Church, I'm Gay, which you told me about the first time we talked. Since then, I've watched it. It's phenomenal. There's okay. a link to it in my bio. Yeah, for the people watching, if you want to watch it. Um, but with that being said, ever since I've been promoting it, I've had friends like, what is, what exactly is this about? Like, how, why did he make this? And, you know, what is, well, what exactly are they saying through this film? But I want to know, why did you guys, why you attack the gray areas when it comes to, to topics like this? And also why you created it and just feedback you've gotten from people while you've made it? Yeah, I think from my standpoint, I, I absolutely love making gray area topic films. I don't personally... I, I really want to be a witness for Christ, and I think that a lot of the people that I like hanging around with have really hard questions. Yeah. And um, it is very hard to answer them with these, like, pie-in-the-sky answers. Um, yeah. The, the Bible in many ways, Jesus is so paradoxical, it's so strange, and it's so wonderful. And, like, the Bible is not always black and white, and it's sometimes mm -hmm. gray. And it is, but you, but it's so wonderful to study. and so amazing how like, uh, God deals with the gray all, all yeah. over the place. And so like, I just love the topics in general. Like I just got back yesterday from a conference on hell. Dear mm -hmm. people, I mean, did we, did everyone realize there are different views of hell. And so like my yeah. next project is probably going to be on, um, the different views of hell. I just find it oh absolutely fascinating. But let's That's get to this one. So this one's called Dear Church, I'm Gay. Yeah. And um, my, first of all, my brother-in-law is gay. And okay. He, so, and I, my brother-in-law, like, I have always wanted to connect with him on a very deep yeah. level. Um, so... And that's, that's just, it's just never been easy for me because I come from a traditional, always raised in the church. Like, yeah. um, I mean, it's been a huge movement even to go from like saying you can be born gay. Uh, for, mm -hmm. So like that, that's a big shift from how I was yeah. raised. That was not even a thought. Um, yeah. And now I've, I've like gone on this long journey. Um, Preston Sprinkle is the guy who essentially hired my company to produce this. So Jared, who also okay. made Future of the Church with me, helped me make uh, Dear Church, I'm Gay. And essentially the idea was Preston approached us. He said, hey, guys, I have I want to I want to tell people like the traditional view of the church. Mm -hmm. But I want to do it in a compelling way so that I don't lose people who are affirming, which means essentially mm -hmm. they think gay marriage is totally fine. And yeah, so okay. I was like, wow, that's a <laughs> Like, let's yeah. essentially get both sides of the aisle, the affirming and non-affirming sides, to watch a documentary or a short film 20 minutes through without, like, hating each other. Okay. Right. So that was a balance um, throughout the yeah. whole thing. Um and essentially the way that uh, that we approached it was just to tell people stories. And it uh -huh. is incredible for those uh, who are on the firming side or like ha have gay friends. You'll be like, yeah, no, duh, Stephen. But I had really right. never conversed much with a gay or lesbian or transgender person. And mm -hmm. first of all, that's that's like a necessity if you want to get involved in this conversation. Um, yeah. Second of all, I really had not, although I knew of the six passages in scripture that reference yeah. homosexuality, yeah. Um, 
I simply took them as like, oh yeah, for sure they're wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. Meaning gay marriage is wrong. But there's a lot more to them. Um, mm. And for, let me just say right now, for those who are wondering what I think, I do believe in the traditional view of marriage. I do think um, that uh, relationships between a man and a, a man and a man or a woman and a woman are not biblical. Um, mm -hmm. But there, it's not that easy to come to that conclusion as you might think. There is a lot to tease through the through the verses that are in the Bible. There's a lot to understand about Jewish culture at large in Christ's time. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to like even grasp and wrestle with about science and what you really believe about the fall of man. Um, there it's, it is not it is not black and white, this topic. And I yeah. think uh, but at the end of the day, and we know this. But we're called the love people. And mm -hmm. like, I, thank God I'm not the ultimate yeah. judge of people. Thank God yeah. I don't have to get up on a stage and be like, so let me just tell you what marriage is and what it's not. Uh, right. That's not right. the idea of what we're supposed to be talking to people. Like if Christ yeah. has transformed our lives, the biggest thing I took away from this project is like mm -hmm. amazing to hear people's stories that literally made me cry. But wow. one of the best things is like consistency of faith. Mm -hmm. I mean... If we're going to be like, oh, gay marriage, that is wrong. You cannot, nope, zero percent. <laughs> well, then we better not be down for like, as I've heard it said, our our uh, heterosexual drummer who's sleeping with his girlfriend. It's like, yeah, um, Come on. guys, there's yeah. some consistency issues here. If, yeah. if, if sexual sin is immoral across the board, then we need to right. treat it as immoral across the board. And that is a really hard thing to say because not everyone feels super good about that because at some point we're all sexually broken. Um, right. But it, I, I think for those who, um, who really want to engage with the conversation thoughtfully on, mm -hmm. uh, and, and either you don't have a LGBT friend or you really wonder what in the world is this Christian position and where in the world did it come from and all those people in the yeah. 1500s who have no clue about the world in which we live in and la, la, la. Like, yeah. you should watch our video. Um, and you should right. watch the videos that come after it that are more teaching-oriented, yeah. curriculum-based. Because mm -hmm. I think it will make the Christian position seem a lot more like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying now. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I also like, Christians, by the way, how you're pointing out that love should still come first. And ultimately, we're not the judge. Yeah. So, like, how wonderful. And now I, yeah. I, can, I can feel, I mean... For some Christians, they've actually felt guilt over having a LGBT friend. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. get me some right. LGBT friends, people. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And you know what's interesting, Stephen? One thing I love about this film and about this topic is, is that it reminds me of, I did an internship at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Oh, and um, I, don't know if, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when we talked previously, but one of my Bible teachers there, uh, his name is Stuart Grease, phenomenal Bible teacher. And he was telling us in the class how uh, God didn't actually destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the homosexual homosexual lifestyle that was lived. And I was thinking like, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> like, that's not what I've been taught. That's not what I've heard. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, there's literally a scripture. And I pulled it up because I wanted to mention it in this talk because it goes right with it. It's Ezekiel 1649. 
In the New Living Translation, it says Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. Yep. Like, hold on, wait, like, what? God, you destroyed an entire nation, not because they were living a homosexual lifestyle, but because they were stuck up, they were lazy and idle with their time, they ate too much, and they neglected the poor. I'm like, those are things that I do every day, you know, like, not every day, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I fit in that category. And so now that totally changes my psyche about what I believe about homosexuality and why because I'm, I'm learning that even through this conversation that a lot of what I believe is based upon what I've heard instead of what I've read and I think a lot of us Christians millennials everyone included we need to be better about learning and reading the bible for ourselves instead of having all these beliefs based upon what we've heard you know what I'm saying it's powerful tell me about it I am 100% with you yeah that's crazy so Man, Stephen, there's so much more that we could talk about, but I, I've loved chatting with you, and these conversations are so important. If you're watching, make sure you check out the link in my bio because there's links to both of his films, Future of the Church and Dear Church, I'm Gay. Uh, Stephen, it's been phenomenal getting to know you Thank more. You I know we'll talk again because I love chatting with you. you got a really cool mind, and the way you process things is really awesome. But, hey, if somebody wants to follow you or just stay in touch with you and what you're doing, even with Glory Unlimited, how can they stay in touch? with you um yeah, i'm a terrible person on social media so um <laughs> let's see i probably, the, probably the <laughs> I'm, I'm, how old will i sound if i say linkedin i don't i'm just kidding you know uh, <laughs> no. uh, it's okay that's that's where you're at man that's where you're at <laughs> probably the best way is you could go to our website gloryunlimited.com and then you can okay. like shoot me an email and i'm usually best on email Okay. Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Well, have a good day. We'll stay in touch, man. All right. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate bye. you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>